Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. All right. We have been, over the past 10 weeks, considering a healthy church. Marks of a healthy church. And um, in that, we have gone through multiple passages, beginning in Acts 2 and Acts 4. We looked at Jesus' words from the book of Matthew. Um, We looked at some things that Paul taught on from 1 Corinthians 12. Um, And then um, 2 Corinthians 12, we looked at the the gift of stewardship as well. Okay, And then um, as the elders and I were talking um, over these past couple weeks, we realized that we really want to spend some time discussing evangelism as well. And so that's how we kind of threw this one in. Um, Not because we haven't talked about it, but, but we have. And so you can see... Um, where we've been um, coming through here, talking about the unity and synergy of the church, and the fact that the that there are four primary groups, areas in which the church functions, and that is um, worship, discipleship, fellowship, and stewardship, but bringing them all together is unity. But in those, um, today we're going to talk about discipleship specifically, but in those first two messages, David, when he taught from Acts 2 and Acts 4, he talked about the concept of evangelism, okay? How it was one of the building blocks. And so we saw from 1 Corinthians 3, he threw in there, that there's no other foundation than anyone can lay, which has been laid, Jesus Christ, okay? So Christ is the foundation of the church. That comes together through genuine conversion, okay? Faith faith in Christ. And then he talked about how baptism would be then the first step of obedience um, to do that. Now, the genuine conversion in the baptism actually comes from Jesus is, and this is where we're going to start today, Jesus is exhortation, commission, command, whichever word you want to throw in there, to the church. His final words to the church when he was gathering his disciples together in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, he said to them, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is old hat. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it, okay? Um, just kind of presenting the, the point here. But you know there's only one verb there, and it's the verb to make disciples, okay? There are three participles. Participles are flowery things in the Greek language. We have them in English, but they're more clear in the Greek. And so they are... Um, um, Verbal nouns, um, so or adjectival verbs, whichever way you want to look at it, okay? But they, they describe, okay? And so, how do you make disciples? Well, there are three things. You what? You go, you baptize, and you teach. You see it? So, going, baptizing, teaching. Now, the reason why go isn't going is because that parsable is actually an aorist participle. Now, we've talked about this in the past, but I want to bring it up real quick, just brief, so you understand it, okay? Again, you have your, your, your main verb, make disciples, okay? The parsable, the timing of the, the timing of the action of the parsable is in relation to the action of the leading verb, okay? So if I have a verb in the present tense, I stand. Make sense, Okay? And I have a parsable that is in the present tense, okay? I stand while I'm leaning. Well, that's probably not a good one anyways, but you get what I'm saying, okay? It's, the idea is that I'm, it's happening at the same time as the action of the present verb, okay? So, baptizing is a, is a present parsable. So, you make disciples baptizing. Teaching is a present parsable. You make disciples teaching. Go is an aorist parsable. Aorist is a past tense. That means it has to happen before you make disciples. Makes sense, doesn't it? Now here specifically, I think it makes a whole lot of sense because John chapter 20 actually happened before Matthew 28. And you go check me out on this one, but in Matthew chapter 20, or I'm sorry, John chapter 20, it's when Jesus appears to his disciples in the upper room that evening. And in the upper room that evening, he said to them, as the Father sent me, so send I you. He already had sent them, but they went a-fishing instead. So now he's coming to them and he says, as I have already sent you, 
Get it? You've already been sent. Make disciples. But for us, the reality is, before you can make disciples, you got to what? You got to go. It kind of makes sense. In fact, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, we read Mark's version of it. And it says, and Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, there's a difference between what Matthew said and what Mark said. Matthew quotes Jesus as saying what? What's the verb? Make disciples. Mark says what? Preach. Preach, preach the gospel. It's the word caruso, okay? And so if you ever listen to, other than rock music, if you listen to Enrique Caruso, who knows who Enrique Caruso is? Oh, one, two, three. Okay, we got a three. You guys, you are so, I don't understand you. Anyways, Jose, who is Enrique Caruso? He's a tenor. He's one of the three tenors, right? And he sings like this. But he heralds. That's what the word means. Caruso means to herald, to proclaim a message. And so when you think about it, think about an operatic tenor, how he is just boing, get out there. Okay, That's what we're supposed to do. So Jesus tells us to go out and Caruso the gospel. Go out and herald it. Proclaim it. To who? To who? To every creature. That kind of means what? Kind of like the sower in the seed. Just kind of go out and what? Put it out there. It, don't worry about who you're going to give it to. You go out. Now, your goal is from Matthew 28 to what? Make disciples. But the first step is I got to what? I got to go. And the second part, in, in with going, I got to what? Open my mouth. It don't happen if you don't open your Mouth. Does this kind of make sense? Okay. This is all just preliminary. Okay. Acts 1.8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea, and um, in all Judea to Samaria and outermost part of the world. Now, I know that this is specifically talking to the 12, okay? The 11 at the time, because Judas is gone, right? But I want to submit to you that by application, remember observations, uh, interpretations, applications, but by application, this applies to you and I as well. We're going to talk about this in a moment. So if the, if the exhortation of Christ is very clear, if, he, if we know that, this is old hat, you know it, you could quote it, you know what Jesus has told us to do, right? Would you agree? Why is it that we don't? What are the excuses? Now, I say excuses. Rodney, I'm talking to you, because you're going to get this one, Okay. Because you're old school, military, right? There's no such thing as an excuse. I want to have a what? A reason. So, troop, I want you to do this, right? But I can't because da, 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 da. that's not a reason. That's a, it's an excuse, right? We get that. That's, that's old military. They still do that? They still talk that way? I, I don't want an excuse. You're giving me excuses. You're, you're giving me excuses. You, you, I want a reason. If you can't accomplish this task, that's one thing. But give me a reason, not an excuse. We tend to come up with a lot of excuses. So what are the claims? What are the hindrances, obstructions, deterrence, barriers, impediments, excuses? Well, I don't think it's my responsibility. Hmm. I don't think it's my responsibility. Whose responsibility do you think it is? You think it's the pastor's responsibility? Jesus wasn't just talking to pastors. Jesus was talking to who? Believers. He was talking to everyone. Okay, so it's not just my responsibility to witness to people. People say, "I'm going to try to get them to come to church so they can hear the gospel." That's the wrong place. Jesus said, "What?" He didn't say, "Go and bring them to church." He said, "Go and make disciples. Go and preach the gospel." He didn't say, "Go bring them to church." Okay, I don't think it's my responsibility. Secondly, it's not my gift. Well, it's not my gift to show mercy. I am not. Ask my kids. Okay. I, I'm not a mer- but I promise you, they expect me to work on the gift of mercy, even though it's not my gift. I don't believe in giving. I don't have the gift of giving. I don't have to put a penny. And well, you want a you want a pastor who doesn't? I, I, it really, probably is one of my gifts. But still, I can say that, right? I, I can say all this if it's not my gift. It's not my gift. It's not my gift. And so, therefore, I have an excuse. Ooh, it's not a reason. It's an excuse not to do something. But God's called us all to do something, regardless of what, not whether you feel gifted to accomplish the task. I don't know how to present the gospel. Well, that's good. So do you ever ride a bike? How many of you ever ride a bike? Did you ever ride a bike? And when you got on that bike, you went flying all around the neighborhood, doing wheelies and everything else, did you? 
Is that the first time it happened? No, probably the first time, and probably the second time, maybe the third time, the fourth time, you got you scraped your knees, right? Unless your mom and dad put the training rolls on immediately. But the first time you took the training rolls off, you found out that you didn't have training rolls, and you went, okay? And so you stopped riding the bike because you didn't know how. Well, that was silly, no. So that's just an excuse. It's not a reason. I don't know how. But by the end of today, you'll know how, okay? That's the cold goal of today, okay? I don't think that I will be able to answer their questions. This is the only valid one because you won't. You won't know how to answer every single question that comes to you because you're not God. But God promised that he's going to give us the Holy Spirit who's going to lead us into all truth, that he'll be the one speaking through us. We'll talk about this in one moment, okay? But we'll come back to this, okay? I get too nervous talking to strangers. Therefore, I never go to the grocery store. I never go to the, 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 um, the Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever because when I go there, I'm going to have to talk to who? Strangers. I'm afraid of, um, I get too nervous when I talk to strangers. I don't know how to start a conversation. Now, this is a valid one, too. But this goes back to the riding the bike. The only way to learn how to start this conversation is what? Start a conversation and blow it. And blow it. It's okay. You're going to blow it. I'm going to blow it, okay? I'm afraid how they will what? React. Valid, good, but still an excuse, okay? I don't know how they're going to react. I'm not God. But it doesn't matter. I don't think they'll be interested. It's a waste of time. Now we're getting to some truth. Okay? I really don't think they're being interested, and I tagged on at the end. Therefore, it's a waste of time. In the end, that's really what we think. Whether we're going to say it or not, we think, in the end, this is just a waste of my time. But can I ask you a question right off the bat before we start into this? How many of you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Put up your hand. Okay, I'm, 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 you know I'm setting you up, okay? All right, here we go. Put it on, okay? How many of you were introduced to Jesus by somebody else? Hmm. Some of you don't have your hands up. Okay, most of you have your hands up, though. What does that mean? That means that somebody went through this list and said, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's still my responsibility to what? Tell them. And aren't you glad they did? Now, these are excuses. These are claims. Let's talk about the truth. Numbers 11.23. Numbers 11.23. What does that have to do with it? Well, this is Moses. They're actually Yahweh speaking to Moses, okay? And Yahweh declares, has Yahweh's arm been shortened? Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. This is Moses. Moses had seen the Red Sea part. He'd seen all the plagues. But now all of a sudden, the people are crying out for food. They want meat. And God says, I'm going to give them meat. And he's like, there is no way. There's 1.5 million people. Do you know how many quail have got to come into this place in order for them to eat till the... Meat's going to come out their nose? I mean, there's no way, God. I mean, even if I had all this kind of stuff for years, I mean, I'm not going to have enough. God says, stop it. Is Yahweh's arm been shortened? Do you think I'm going to tell you to do something that I'm not going to provide? The answer? Watch what Yahweh will do. And what happened? What happened? Quail came in. He didn't have to go find it. Quail came in all over the camp. And then manna happened every morning. Every morning. For 40 years they went into the promised land. Ephesians reminds me then of Ephesians 3, verse 20, 21. Paul says, Now to him, that is Yahweh, to who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever, what? Ask or think. If you can think it, you're still thinking too short of God. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. So, what has he told us? Well, he's told us, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it's neither he who plants anything nor he who waters, but it's God who what? God gives the increase. You don't have to worry about how good you are. You got some plants that you didn't really plant? But you did, didn't you? You did plant them. Where did you plant them? No, no, before the garden. Where did you plant them? Compost. You just threw them away, didn't you? You just, you just discarded the seeds. You, you didn't really throw them away, though. Throw them in, you, you could have put them in the garbage can. You could have put them in the, in the, in the truck. And you could have put them in the dump. And now they're growing in the dump. Anyways, but you just broadcasted your seeds, if you would, into the compost. And God, what, gave the increase. Isn't that kind of cool? 
Okay? We had some of our best pumpkins. Was it pumpkins or watermelon we got that way? Watermelon, from volunteers from the, from the compost. It's really kind of cool because it reminds me that, again, it's not my prowessness of doing all this stuff. Some, so, some water, some so, but God is the one who what? Gives the increase. And then Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, he, says, he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is what? Plentiful. Do you believe that? Or was Jesus lying? The harvest really isn't plentiful. I just kind of want you to go out there and kind of, kind of you, know, you know, get beat up and, you know, kind of. No! The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Hmm. Therefore, pray. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to do what? Send forth laborers. And we're not talking about the Bamfords going to the Philippines. We're not talking about the bishops going to, to um, Yemen or Jordan. We're not talking about Charles in Asia going to Niger. We're talking about Bob going next door. Do you understand? Do you believe the harvest is plentiful? Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 8. These are all about how God then did what he declared he would do. In Acts 2, you can see at the very end, this is, David's already gone through this, that Yahweh added to the church daily those who were being what? Saved. In Acts 4, we read, and being let go, they, that is who? Who were the they? Being let go, they went to their own companions. Who were the they? Paul and John, okay? Not Paul. Peter. Peter and John. Because they were in jail, right? So they were let go. Uh, they were ripped. They were scourged. They were let go. They went to their own companions, reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heavens and earth. And when they had prayed... Um, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they spoke with the Word of God with boldness. The question is, who is they? Because if we go back antecedents, we have they went to their own companions. Who is this they? Is it Peter and John, or is it the companions? I suggest it's the blend of both of them. It's all of them together. So think about this now. It's not just Peter and John who are doing this, but it's all the believers who are doing this. They all raised their voice to God with one accord. They all then prayed, and then they all what? Spoke the word of God with boldness. We want to put this as being everybody here and everybody here, but then we want to put this back to the disciples there. You can't do that. They all went out and spoke the word of God boldly. In fact, in Acts 8, verse 4, it says, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Who were the those there? Everybody but who? The disciples, the apostles. Because the disciples, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. All the other believers went out. And they became the preachers, the proclaimers, the missionaries, if you would. It was ordinary people like you and me who were scattered. And you know what they did? They opened their mouth boldly. And they distributed the seeds. Not knowing whether the seeds would bear fruit or not, but they were obedient to what Christ had called them to do, trusting that God would give the increase. Do you track with me? So, those are excuses. What we're coming to is the example, though. And I want to present to you something just as simple as a little boy can draw in the dirt. This is from this past week, literally, in Uganda. So my brother um, led a team to Uganda in southern Sudan for the last two weeks, and they trained um, nationals. And this little boy came up. He wasn't part of it, but he came up because he wanted to find out what was going on. And so they got saved, and he got trained. And he then turned around and started to witness to people within 24 hours. Could I say within two hours? He got it. And he wanted other people to know. And he started writing the gospel in the dirt. Now, he specifically is going to be using the bridge method. We'll talk about, I'll mention that again in a second. But it's going to be very similar to what we're going to talk about today. I want to give you something so simple that you can write it, take a piece of chalk with you, write it on the, on the, on the, uh, the sidewalk. Put it on a piece of paper. Write it on your hand. Get it tattooed on the side. No, you get what I'm saying? You can have it there. You know Devin, right? Devin's got a tattoo. It took him a long time to decide he's going to come to a tattoo. Do you know what his tattoo says? It's going to talk about the verse we're going to talk about right now. 
Because one way you read it says the wages of sin is death. When you look at it the other way, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's kind of queer. Not queer, weird how they're able to do that. But that's exactly it. He's able to witness just from his arm. Now, I'm not telling you to go get that tattoo, but it's really kind of weird. Okay, it's really kind of cool how he can do that. Okay? So, one verse, one verse. The entire gospel is in it. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, everybody look at it. Everybody quote it with me. Ready? Here we go. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Let's do it again. Ready? Romans 6.23, for the... Now, see that? It's not even up there. I don't even have a cloud. i got a big cloud. But most of you, if not all of you, could quote that verse right now. You know the gospel. It's very simple to give. That's it. A one-verse gospel. Now, I've gone through a lot of evangelism training over the years. It's all meaningless. For Bob, Bob always comes back to one verse. Romans 6.23. I take a lot of these things, and I apply it into my presentation. But honestly, each individual door that I go to is a different individual door. Jose, our, our last one that we got to, the one I was praying for, he'd be there, right? Did, we talk, did I even talk about Romans 6.23 over there? No, I didn't even talk about Romans 6.23. What did I talk about? I talked about our finger, and I talked about um, the teleological arguments. And I talk, I mean, so, you know, ah, don't worry about it. Okay? At that point, you realize what? If you're not there yet, you say, hey, can I give you this, this verse? And then you walk away. You move on. Why? Because you're just what? You're scattering seed. God's the one who what? Gives the increase. You get what I'm saying? Okay. Every door is going to be different. But I want something that I can have as my go-to. Are you tracking with me? Okay. Romans 6.23. If I can say Romans 6.23 and I can present that to somebody, I can present them the gospel in one minute. Okay? Now, it probably takes a little bit longer than one minute. We all know that I am not short-winded. Okay? But, here we, amen. So, so, here we go. I always like to start off, though, with two preliminary questions. Uh, diagnostic questions is what they're called in Evangelism Explosion. Okay? I like them a lot, I, so I'm telling them to you right now because I think they're very important for you to remember. Okay? You don't have to have them, but it's, I think it's helpful. Okay? First question is, if you were to die today, do you know where you're going to go? I ask people this. Isn't it kind of rude? You're meeting somebody for, at, at the door. And you're like, Before I leave, can I ask you one question? What's that? If you die today, do you know where you're going to go? Because it's very important. It lets you know something about this individual. It lets, them know, lets you know whether they have any biblical knowledge or not. Okay? They may say, I hope I'm going to heaven. I think I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. Well, I'm going to the bad place. Or I'm going into the, the dirt, dude, and I'm being decomposed. <laughs> Okay, I'm going back into the big orb. That is what is life. And you laugh, but I'm telling you, I, I can go on and on with answers we've gotten. Okay, okay. And so, because people are way out there, and, and our land is not a Christian land anymore. There is more that I'm getting people going into the dirt than, than they hope they're going to heaven. Okay? But if someone says, I hope I'm going to heaven, I think I'm going to heaven, okay, or I, I'm going to heaven, okay, then I like to ask him the second question, okay? And I'll ask the other one's second question sometimes too. It depends on how the, the conversation goes. But if, if God were to ask you, why should I allow you into my heaven? So it's, gonna, it's a little bit longer when I present it, and that is, so if you were to die today and you went before God, and God was to say to you, why should I allow you into my heaven? What would you say? Now you're finding out what they're trusting in. Does it make sense? I think I'm going to heaven. I hope I'm going to heaven. I believe I'm going to heaven. Well, if you're going to stand there and you ask, and God says to you, why should I let you in heaven? What would you say? Well, you know, I mean, I've been a good guy. I mean, I, everybody makes their, 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 they mess up here and there. Anyway, I mean, you know, but as a whole, I'm a good, I've been faithful to my wife. We've been married for 40 something years. You know, I've taken care of all of our kids. I beat them a couple of times because they deserved it though. And, uh, and they too hard. And, and anyways, and they, and they go on with, you get what I'm saying, right? What are they trusting in? Works. But you come to the individual who says, I think I'm going to heaven. I hope I'm going to heaven. And you ask them this question. They say, nothing but what Jesus has done for me on the cross. 
Well, they're saved. They just need to be what? Taught about eternal security. Okay? Now, I'm going to jump straight to 1 John 5, 3, 13. Don't worry about that right now. Okay? But that sh- I, I transition to the point where, okay, this person's saved. They just need somebody to disciple them. Okay? Make sense? But you're going to find out from these two diagnostic questions, you're going to find out a lot about this individual. Okay? So let's assume it's somebody okay, who, who isn't saved. Okay? You've ascertained this. So now what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to tell you I've got some bad news for you. But I want you to know that i also got some good news for you. In fact, it's not just good news. It's great news. The bad news is the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Do you know what a wage is? A wage is something that you worked for. It's something that you earned. It's something that you, you put time spent and you, you put effort into this. And at the end of the week or the end of whatever period of time, someone's going to give you a payment back. So you worked for this. You deserved it. Well, the Bible says the wages of sin, what's sin? Sin is any, anytime you disobey God. I mean, boil it down to it. God said, don't do that. You, thou shalt not. And you do it, you've sinned. God said, do this, and you don't do it, it's sin. Well, the Bible says that the wages, what you worked for, what you earned, what you deserve for disobeying God is death. Now, we understand death as this opportunity for, uh, to just die. So, you know, we just say, oh, you know, my heart stops beating or, and I die. But really what happens there is in the understanding of the word death is a separation. My soul, who I am, separates from my, my body. Now, the Bible talks about the fact that we are made in the image. Humans are made in the image and likeness of God. I'm, and God is a spirit being. So I am literally a spirit being, but I'm also, I've got a soul and I've got a physical body. I'm three parts. I'm a body, I'm a soul, and I'm a spirit. And this death, we're told in the Bible, comes in each one of those phases. So I'm going to physically die. Everybody dies. And the minute you're born, you're going to what? You're going to die. Sometime you're going to die. So we get that part. But the reality is the biggest part of this is their spiritual death. And so when Adam was in the garden and Adam sinned, the first thing we see him really do is he hides from God. God came into the garden to fellowship with him, and Adam hid himself. Why? Because there was this separation, a death that occurred. And then God had to kick Adam out of the garden so he couldn't eat the tree of life so that he could be brought into a, a fellowship with him again. So the wages, what we earn, what we deserve for, for our disobedience to God is separation from God. That's how it plays out. We deserve what we're going to get. Now, in the end, the ultimate of that separation is after I die, physically die, we call that, and you probably understand it as, hell. Hell's a real place. And we're gonna, I'm going to tell you in just a moment, but hell is just as long and forever, just as we talk about heaven is forever. But again, remember I told you I had what? I got good news. I mean, it just doesn't leave there. I, don't, I mean, that's kind of awful to come here and tell you about this, but I've got great news to tell you, and that is that the Bible says there's a big but. A big but. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know what a gift is? A gift is something you don't have to buy. A gift is something you don't have to pay for. It's something that somebody has bestowed upon you without a payment. And so I say, hey, I like you a whole lot. I know we just met, but you know, I like you a whole lot. And I want you to have this phone. If you were to turn around and open up, you, yeah, Liam's, I'll take it, offer it to me. And so if you pull out your wallet and say, wow, that's an expensive phone. I haven't got a whole lot of money, but I at least want to give you something. I don't got anything. And, uh, here, let me give you 20 bucks for it. it. No longer is it a what? It's not a gift. Now you're trying to pay for it. And you say, no, 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 man, it's a gift. It's, I don't take it in your money. Oh, man, dude, can I, can I at least come over and mow your grass for you? No, it's not a gift anymore. Now you're trying to barter me for it. A gift is a gift. It's something that you don't have to pay for. The gift of God, God is the creator. He's the, he's the one who breathed the breath of life into us. He's the one who's made the heavens and the earth. The gift of God is what? Eternal life. Do you know what eternal means? I mean, what's it mean to, for eternal? It's like never ending. It's like ongoing. I, my undergraduate work was in computer science and mathematics. That kind of stuff just boggles my brain. I don't understand what's going on and on and on and on. But that's what the Bible says, that we are going to live forever. Even those 
who don't know Jesus. Even those who don't accept God's gift. But God is giving a gift to you and to me. And to, the Bible says to everyone, the gift is being offered to everyone, that all they have to do is receive this gift. And they can live in his presence forever and ever, even though they deserve to go to the bad place, even though they've worked for that, even though that's what they earned, what they deserved. God's giving a gift. Do you ever go at Christmas time and you see a, a, a gift underneath a tree? It's got your name on it. What did you have to do? You had to take it. You had to receive it. Somebody had to extend it to you, and then you had to take it. They could extend it to you, but if you didn't take it, and you didn't open it, and you didn't bring it to your own ownership, it wasn't really yours. It's just still sitting there under the tree. That's how it is. God's giving you a free gift. The gift of God is eternal life. And it comes... Oh, I kept forgetting to do this, didn't I? You should have told me. In Jesus. It comes in Jesus. All you've got to do... It's accept Jesus into your life, and you'll get the free gift. Now, understand, I could have said a little bit more in all that, okay? I could, and I'm going to in a moment, okay? But this is just the, the basic, okay? I don't know how long that took me, probably less than five minutes, okay? And probably took me more because I'm standing here doing all this with you, okay? But you can share all that in five minutes or less. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is what? Eternal life through Christ Jesus or in Christ Jesus our Lord, okay? Now, the next slide. You can add so many other things to this. Do you get it? This is what makes this exciting. You don't have to have more than Romans 6.23. All you need is Romans 6.23. You can give the gospel. But you can add more things to it. So, now I'm going to come back through the, 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 the presentation. Okay, We're going to add a little bit more to it. Okay? I've got some bad news for you, but honestly, I've got some really good news, some great news for you, okay? The bad news, the Bible says, the wages of sin is, is death. Well, what's a wage? Well, I've already gone through the fact of what, what a wage is, right? But now I'm going to add to the fact that, you know what? Let's, let's assume for a moment you got this job, and they're paying you on a weekly basis, and you got five kids at home, and you just work 40 to 60 hours a week for this, for this guy, right? And at the end of the 40 to 60 hours a week, you went up to get your what? Your paycheck, right? And so you get there, and, and, and your boss man says to you, hey, Bob, you did a great job this week. Man, it was phenomenal how many of these units you passed out, but we're having a little bit of a cash flow problem. And so we can't pay you this week. But you know what? You did such a good job. We would love to have you come back next week. You say, oh, man, it's okay. I don't, I don't do this job to get paid anyway. I just, I'm just here because I need to do something with my time, and I just love working for you. No, at this moment, what are you going to say, Rodney? Not just see you. At this moment, you haven't got any money to feed your kids. I'm going to stand on his desk. We had an agreement. I was loyal to you all week. I worked for you. Are you coming to my house to feed my kids? Pull it out of your own wallet, dude. Because now we're, we're okay. So I, when I had a company, so, I mean, there were some jobs I didn't hardly made any money on because the employees got paid first. Okay, that's how it's played out. So when it comes to this point, this is what a wage is. You'd stand on the guy's desk. You'd be demanding. It was your money. You worked for it. That's exactly right. When we get to sin, remember that. Because sin is disobedience to God. God said, do this, and I don't do that. Do you know what the Ten Commandments are? Have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Let me ask you this question. So this is stepping out of the role, right? How many of you, put up your hand, can quote to me right now. Don't put up your hand if you don't, can't do it, because I may call on you. How many of you at this moment can quote me the Ten Commandments in order? Can you do the Ten Commandments in order? Okay, I got one other hand go up. Oh, two hands, three hands. All right, Zoe, what's number one? You should have no other guys before me. Abigail, what's number two? Close, don't make yourself an, an idol in the form of anything. Okay, Asa, you put your hand up. What's number three? Uh, don't ask it's not a call a friend you can't do that i mean we're not playing the the 64 million dollar answer okay so let's still go through this okay here we go watch my hands these are going to help you okay and i'll do this as i'm doing it because it helps me remember when i'm meeting somebody okay 10 commandments okay so you should have no other gods for before me because god's what Number 
He's number one. You shall not make an idol in the form of anything, whether in heavens or the earth, or whether in heavens above, whether in the earth below, or whether in the waters beneath. Okay? You should never put anything above God. Right? Okay? So you should not make an idol in the form of anything. Number three, you should not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. This is a W, and it talks about your words. Okay? You should not use the name of Yahweh your God in vain, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who misuses his name. Number four, and I'll come back to these in a moment, but this is for us, okay? Number four, remember the Sabbath day, because my thumb is resting. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it, what? Holy. Six days you shall work, the seventh day you shall rest, okay? Honor your father and your mother, like you're taking an oath, okay? Honor your father and your mother, number five. Number six, you shall not murder. You're putting a knife into somebody, okay? Number seven, you shall not commit adultery, because they're walking down the aisle. Okay, you should not commit adultery. Number eight, you, thou shalt not, you shall not steal. You're in jail looking through the bars because if you steal, you go to jail, right? Number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness. They're all talking about this guy. Thou shalt not bear false witness. And number 10, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's property. Okay, now you got him, right? Okay, so here's the deal. So as, I'm, as I want to talk then, I want them to understand what sin is. This is where we come with the way of the masters, okay? Which I really like. I like Ray Comfort, okay? And so um, going through, because in this culture specifically, you've got to make people realize they need, that they're lost in order that they need to be saved, okay? That's a big deal, okay? So have you ever sinned before? No, I've never sinned. Really? Well, the Bible says children obey your parents in the Lord. It says honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with the promises. Have you, did your mom and dad ever tell you to clean your room and you didn't do it? Well, uh, yeah, but that's not a sin. Yeah, it is a sin. God said, obey your parents and the Lord. You didn't do it. You disobeyed them. You disobeyed him. That's a sin. Big deal, isn't it? Have you ever lusted after a woman? Like in your heart, like you didn't do it. You didn't go and commit adultery, but you looked at the girl and said, Ooh, she's fine. I wish I could. You know. Anyways, you get what I'm saying? Well, every guy does that. Yeah, every guy does that. But Jesus said, if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've just committed adultery. Did you ever look at somebody and just really were mad at them and you called them an idiot, an empty-headed fool, whatever, something like that? Well, you know, yeah. Well, you know, Jesus said that when you call somebody racha, empty-headed, that you're just the same as a murderer. Because who you are is on the inside. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt me. But you know that's not true. The words hurt you. They kill you. On the, ooh, they kill you on the inside. And so you're a murderer. So think about it. I mean, just from the very basics, you, you, you've, you've lied to your mom and dad. You know, you, you disobeyed them. You dishonored them. You've committed adultery in your heart. You, you've murdered people with your tongue. Do I need to continue on? See, James 2, verse 10 says, Though you obey the whole law, yet you stumble at one point, you're guilty of, of them all. Romans 3, 23, so don't worry about it because you're in good company. Romans 3, 23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. God knows it. I understand this is bad news, but, but we're going to get to the great news, the good news, because God knew it. In fact, your father, all the way back father, Adam, he was the one who started all this. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 that the sin that we sin actually began in Adam. All then have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the bad part of it is, is that the, the, what we get, what we deserve because of our disobedience to God is hell. Is hell. The wages of sin is death. See that word death, again, talks about separation, da 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 And we're going to get, we get we go, I deserve to go to hell. What? Yeah. It's what I deserve. I mean, think about it. You were going to stand on top of that guy's, your, your boss's desk and demand what you deserve. Well, you're going to stand on God's desk and take God by the jugular and say to God, I want to go to hell. It's what I deserve. I've worked for this all my life. I've disobeyed you so many times. And he said, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Dude. I said, let's, let's think about this. For, just step back for a moment. If you were really good, how many times do you think you disobey God on a normal day? Three times? I mean, you'd be pretty good if you only sinned three times. Do you realize there's 365 days of the year? 
If you only disobeyed God three times, broke his law three times in a day, you'd be breaking his law over a thousand times a year. And if you lived a normal lifespan of, say, 70 years, you have broken his law 70,000 times. If you stood before a judge, even on the earth, you stood before the judge, and he pulled out a rap sheet that was 70,000 offenses. Do you think he's going to say, ah, he's a great guy? Or is he going to say, oh, this guy kind of got a habit here. Throw the book at him. You remember back I had five kids? Standing on my, my, my boss's desk, demanding my money. It's because of the fact I needed to pay, I got to feed my kids, right? So now I haven't got any money. I've been a morally great guy all the time. I don't even break the speeding laws. Don't laugh too far. But I got to feed my kids. And I don't know how to do this, but I go down to the bank and I give them the little, you know, hey, give me $100. I don't even want to say I give me everything. I just want a hundred bucks. I just want to feed my kids, right? And so I, I kind of do this. And what I, since I don't know all this kind of stuff, I don't realize there's a little bitty button. And the lady says, okay, I'll give you that. And while she's turning around to give me that, she's hitting her little button. She's providing an escort for me to go to the, well, not the grocery store. And so as she gives me the hundred dollars, my escorts show up in their blue suits. And they give me, Nice jewelry to wear as they put me in a, a chaperoned car and take me to my new room. You get it, right? And I stand before the judge. And though I've been a morally excellent person, I'm still accused of what? Bank robbery. Pretending to have a gun, whether I had it or not. And the, and, and the judge says, ah, oh, he's a great guy. It doesn't happen that way. Though I've obeyed all the law, yet I'm still what? I'm still guilty. I'm guilty. And if we understand that here, on a human plane, why can't we get that in the heavenly plane? But remember I said it was great news. Not just good news, but great news. Because God knew all that. God knew that before he ever made me, and this is a mind-boggling thing, but before he ever made me, he knew that I would need a Savior. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to die on the cross for me, to be the penalty, to pay the penalty of my sin. And through him paying the penalty of my sin, he has given me a gift. The gift of God is eternal life. A gift is something that I can't pay for. I, I can never pay the debt. I mean, 70,000 offenses, and those are just minor offenses. Could you imagine some of the offenses being greater? And we have those greater offenses. Oh, lots of those greater offenses. Especially when you think about how many times as guys, we, we so I'm assuming I'm talking to a guy. As a, a guy, we, we've lost it after a woman. I mean, we're breaking the big ones, not just the little bitty laws. We're breaking the big laws. But God gives me a gift anyway. Because he loves me. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But you've got to understand it's a gift. You can't work for it. You'll never be good enough for it. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, it says that by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of self, it is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. If I could get there on my own, if when God said to me, why well, shall I allow you to heaven? And well, because I'm such a great guy. And I'm boasting. I'm boasting about me. But what God has revealed about me is I can't do that. That the only way I can get there is by his grace, by his love, by his mercy. All I have to do is like Christmas time. There's the gift that's under the tree. It's for me. And God is, is sitting on the, on the chair and he says, oh, I've got one for Bob. And he picks it up and he, no, dude, I ain't want to work it for myself. I'll, I'll get there on my own. I don't need your stinking gift. No, that's silly, isn't it? God reaches down and he gives me the gift and he hands it out. All I got to do is take it. 
All I got to do is take it. But in taking it, I have to humbly acknowledge the fact that I can't do it. Pull myself up by my own bootstraps and get there on my own. The gift of God. Do you get it? God, who created everything, who can snuff me out at this very moment if you really chose to. But maybe that's really where the, the hard part comes for you, is acknowledging the fact that God really is. And that God really does reward those who believe in him. You know, Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that without faith it is impossible to please God. For those who come to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You got to want it. You got to understand that the gift is coming. It's there by faith. Believe. And if you would just believe, then you would have this gift of eternal life. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. After that's the judgment. You're going to die one day. And you're going to be judged. And you're either going to go to the bad place or the good place. And you're going to be there forever. All the way back in the book of Job, Job declared. This is all the way back in the time of Noah. They understood that they were living forever. Daniel and the last chapter of the book of Daniel, Daniel 12, Daniel says about the people who are going to be rised up to everlasting perdition, and those who are going to be rised up to everlasting life. Everybody's going to live forever, exist forever. The question is just going to be where are you going to exist? Jesus said that hell, hell is a place where the worm dies not and the fire dies not. People are going to get exactly what they want. They're going to be apart from God forever. But they're going to be living in turmoil forever and ever. God has offered you a free gift. You have to make the decision. Are you going to take the gift or are you going to reject the gift? Accepting the gift of eternal life comes in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 10 tells us that if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus you shall be saved. When Paul was talking to a, a jailer in the, in the city of Philippi, the, that jailer came running up to him and says, Lord, or sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's a done deal. In fact, 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 to 13 tells me that these things are written unto you that believe in the name of Jesus Christ that you may know that you have eternal life when you ask Jesus into your life, he's going to give you eternal life. Not that you're going to wait to get it later. You'll have it. Right now, you can't kill me. Isn't that kind of cool? Sounds kind of weird. I know. I'm sorry. But the reality is you can't kill me because I live inside this tent. One day that I'm going to be separated from this tent. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. How cool is that? So, even still, all that was less than 15 minutes. You can do it at a door. You can do it with your neighbor. There was a guy at a warehouse that I worked with. I drove truck. When we began planting this church, I had lots of different jobs. One of the jobs was driving a delivery truck. And every day, the guy who worked ran the forklift. What's the good word? God loves you. God loves you. And he wants... To to save you. It's always a good word. It's always the good word. One day, I drove the small truck, um, and so they couldn't ride the forklift onto my truck. Sometimes I'll drive the 26-footer, and they could do that, but usually I drove the smaller truck. And so that means I would have to take the boxes off the pallet and put it on a pallet in my truck. Some people pay for gyms and stuff like that. I got paid to get a workout. Anyways, so... So the one day, oh, you need to know as well that on the back of a truck are bumpers. Jimmy will tell you this too, okay? And on the dock are bumpers. And you need to put the bumper to the bumper, right? That's how you, when you back it in, bumper to bumper, okay? But that means that there's a hole between the bumpers and the dock. And it's about a size 10, size 11. And one day my size 9 
met that size 10, 11 hole. And as I was going back and forth, back and forth, one, I went like this, and, and I went straight on down to about here where it didn't fit any further. And, and I popped back up, and by God's grace, I started singing praise him, praise him. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. A few weeks later, that guy came to my house. I don't remember why. We were out on the, on the, on the street. He had a red Jeep. We were doing the redneck thing, leaning on the Jeep, right? And I asked him, I won't say his name, I'll just say R. If you were to die today, do you know where you're going to go? If God would say to you, why shall I you in, what would you say? And then I gave him the gospel. And he got saved immediately. But here's the deal. His comment to me that day was very vibrant. I didn't have a chance to witness to him at work. That wasn't why I was there. So my witnessing was what? The one word. He said, the day that you fell into that hole was the day that I knew everything else you were saying was true. Because everybody else might have been come up singing, but they wouldn't have been singing what you were singing. And they wouldn't be saying what you were saying. I didn't have to witness to him that day. I just asked him the questions, and I gave him the gospel real fast. He got saved, just like that. Because it was consistent with what he saw in my life. Now, I'm not bragging on Bob. Other people might see things in Bob and say, oh, I don't want anything he's got, okay? But there comes a point where you have to be willing to open up your mouth and to share. Does that make sense? R might never have come to know Christ as a Savior, even though I lived a life of testimony before him, if I never shared with him the truth of how he could have what I had. Do you track with where I'm going on this? Lifestyle evangelism is good. But note that I didn't put lifestyle evangelism on that, on my list. Because you ought to be doing lifestyle evangelism. It ought to be a part of you. It ought to be something you've got to learn. It's how, who you are. I mean, if you know Jesus and he's your, he's your Savior, it's just who you are. It's not what you've got to do. It's what he's doing through you, not what you're doing on your own. But somewhere you've got to get the chutzpah, the backbone, to, 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 to share what you know to be true. I'm not telling you got to come on Wednesday nights. I'm not, that's not what this is about. Healthy churches seek to reproduce. Physically, it makes sense, right? Healthy people want. They have kids. I mean, when they go to, and I'm not picking on homosexuality, okay? But when you go to homosexuality, okay, you can't reproduce. But what do homosexuals do? They still have a desire to what? Have kids. And so they still got to do what? They go find somebody of, a, of the other sex in order for them to be able to, and they, and they bring in the seed, right, so they can have what? Babies. Because they still have a desire to what? Reproduce. Do you get it? It's, it's just innate within us. Why doesn't it come into the church? We would never think otherwise. A healthy church seeks to reproduce. The goal of this body, of this assembly, has always been to plant other churches. Therefore, the goal of the people in the assembly ought to be to reproduce themselves. I want somebody ready to take Bob's spot in this assembly when Bob dies. I don't know if I'm going to live the rest of the day. For those who don't know, Shiloh died a week ago. I was gone. It's kind of surreal for me. You know, because it's like she's on vacation. You know, I came home and she wasn't there. Didn't expect it. And you understand that. Life happens. And the minute we were born, we got a guarantee that we're going to what? Die. In the end, what have you done with the life that God has given you? So, questions at the end turn it the wrong way witnessing or evangelism begins with a desire and willingness to go you got to go jesus said go but you got to have the desire you got to have the willingness to go are you are you willing that's a picture of my my sister-in-law sandy again from this past week actually so they were in uganda and one of the team members got sick 
And so it was deemed that the, the team member needed to stay at the hotel. Sandy is a nurse. So it was deemed necessary for Sandy to have to stay back, not to go to the field, but to stay back with the person who was sick. She was pretty bummed, pretty frustrated. She has such a heart for the Ugandan people and for the, the Sudanese refugees who are living in northern uh, Uganda. That she was just crushed by this. This is her testimony. But then God laid on her heart that there were people there that needed to be witnessed to. So she went downstairs. And she struck up a conversation with the hotel clerk. Who she got to witness to. Who got saved. Who she got to begin to disciple. The fields are white unto harvest. You just have to be willing to go. It's not what you can do. It's what God will do through you. Do you get it? That's what I loved Wednesday night, you know, with the individual that we got to talk to. I'm still praying. I'm praying for him. I'm looking forward to going back in a month and a half to see him again. I'm hoping somebody else comes to keep Steve company so I can send them off, and I'm going beeline to this guy's house. I'm excited. Not about what I can do. But what God's doing in that guy's life, it's so clear. He's opening this guy's up, this guy up. Now, can he reject me? Can he, when I go the next time, can he say, get out of here, you, you know? Maybe so. But in the end, he's not rejecting me. Who's he rejecting? Jesus. Do you get it? But God wants to use me. He's allowing me to be a part. I tell you, there is no greater joy than seeing someone come to know Christ as your Savior. If you've ever seen a child born and you can relate to the joy, the ecstatic joy of what it's like to see that child, it translates to the spiritual realm. That God has allowed you to experience the joy of life. As a guy, I'm jealous of you women. I know it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of pleasure when the baby's kicking you on the inside. But I promise you, from, and maybe many of the other guys, they don't get this, but I get, I, I, it is the one thing, I'm glad I'm a guy, I'm glad God made me a guy, but I would love to have the experience of feeling life within me. That God is using me to bring about life. And yes, the kicking is not so fun. But it's a reminder that there's life. And God's doing something. Start evangelizing. Let people kick against you. <laughs> it's okay. Because in the end, you start to see the birthing process. And it's so gloriously exciting. Yesterday, Glenn and I were playing games together. It was so exciting to watch the memory game in that little bitty brain. Who won, though? Yeah, I won, huh? Yeah. I pounced on the little kid. Just want you to know. All my kids know when they beat dead, they beat dead. You beat me in Boggle now, huh? Yeah. She's like a Cheshire cat. She's like, it's all over it. My kids love it. They know when they beat dad, dad didn't lay down. They beat dad. Dad's like, oh, man, old age is hitting uh, why, didn't I, why didn't I lose on purpose before so I could say, oh, I'm just losing on purpose again. Anyways, but I watched this little guy grow. And to, to, to pick out, he remembered where they were matching 52 cards. Okay, big old grid. Okay, and then he put together puzzles on his own. The whole ABC through Z puzzle. Pretty cool. Now, a couple years, he'll do much better at it. Yeah, <laughs> but he did it yesterday. He did it yesterday. Do you get it? Because he tried. Yeah. And we played Candyland. And we played Candyland. Grandpa pounced you on that one too, huh? Yeah. Um, no strategy in Candyland. So don't look at me, guys. Okay? It's just the way the cards play out. Anyway, but we played through the whole cards. And so I won the first two and then he won the end game. You know, so we try to have a little fairness. Anyway, so, but here's the deal. You gotta be willing. You gotta be willing and let God use you wherever you're at. But representing Christ also requires a commitment of time and effort. All those verses and stuff like that were on that sheet. That's pretty simple. One verse. All you gotta do, memorize one verse. You've already quoted it. You already know that one. But you can add to it, couldn't you? You could add to it. But in order to add to it, you have to what? 
take time to what? Memorize. You've got to take time to watch videos. You've got to take time to read things. You've got to take time to write down your testimony and know what your testimony is. So that when it plays out, you can quote it like this to somebody else. But there's a whole lot of other fun things that are going on. So let me ask you the question. Are you committed? Are you committed to Christ? Are you willing to put in what it takes to be the ambassador? Is there a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that we have the freedom in this land to be able to go and talk to people about Christ. Yes, they may be closing their, their minds, but Lord, you have given us this privilege. You've said, if your people who were called by your name would humble themselves, if, if they would confess their sins, if they would turn from their wicked ways, then you would hear from heaven and you would heal our land. Lord, it begins with us who are called by your name. So Lord, forgive us for not going out. Forgive us for wanting what we want more than what, we, what you want. Lord, help us to be willing and trusting, knowing that you are the one who gives the increase. To hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you, but that we might represent you, knowing that it's your Holy Spirit ultimately who's going to lead us into all truth and who's going to guide us and put the words in us that we might speak to those we come to. For your glory, in Christ's name, amen.